It can be so disheartening to work hard, but feel like you're never getting ahead. Do you understand what trips you up? Well, join me today as I share two common traps that might be keeping you stuck. What does it mean to love and work well? And how do I pursue what truly matters? Working at the intersection of business and psychology, I help you answer these questions and more so you can focus priorities, inspire change, lead with courage, and live with more joy today. Hi, I'm Dr. Melissa Smith. Welcome to the Pursue What Matters podcast, where we focus on what it takes to thrive in love and work. Boy, it can feel so bad to work hard only to feel undone by stress and overwhelm. Tell me I'm not the only one. It's like you're stumbling along only to then trip and fall with your face stuck squarely in the mud. It is not a good feeling. And I feel like I've been there more, more than a couple of times. So today I I have a question for you. Do you know what trips you up, right? Do you get it? Do you recognize the traps that threaten to keep you not only from progressing, but also keeping you from feeling like you can progress, uh, feeling like you can pursue what matters? And I think that's that's the real disheartening part, right? There are many of us that will will get ourselves up, we'll try and dust ourselves off, wipe the mud from our face and keep going. Um, but it's the disheartening part. It's that overwhelm. It's that stress that really undermines our belief that we can progress, that we can move forward on big goals, that we can be successful in our life. And so I really want you to understand both parts of that because many of us are good at suffering and we'll get back up and keep keep moving forward but we're doing that um, our, our ability to do that becomes more and more difficult because our belief and our confidence that we can progress really takes a hit when we feel undone by stress and overwhelm and so you know it's easy when we look at, okay, what's tripping me up? What are the traps? It's very easy to identify overwhelm and stress as big culprits. And that can be very true. But today I want to break this down just a bit more because when we just stick to the answer of I'm overwhelmed and stressed, which many of us can say that, right? Um, And here's the other thing. It might be totally accurate, but when we just end the conversation there, we stay stuck Um, because it's hard to know where to go from there, right? Like by, by a definition, it's overwhelming. Um, And so today, instead of ending the discussion there, um, which too many of us do when we're feeling stressed out, I really want to focus today on sharing with you two common traps that might be underlying your overwhelm and stress so that you can actually start to do something about it without feeling overwhelmed, without feeling like you don't know where to start. So I'll help you understand these traps, what they are, how they show up for us. And of course, we'll really focus on what you can do to help yourself get unstuck so that you're not undone by stress and overwhelm so that you do feel capable in your life, right? We, we want to feel competent and capable. We want to believe that when we take an action, uh, it it's effective, right? And so in today's 
podcast, we want to get very practical about that. And we're going to dig past, I'm stressed and overwhelmed. Um, And here's the other thing, right? These traps can be especially challenging because they often grow out of our best attributes. And it's like, oh my goodness, it's one more challenge. And so as I get into these traps, hopefully you'll understand that a little bit more. But for now, what are the two traps? So the two very common traps that keep us um, stuck in stress and overwhelm is one, we're overcommitted and two, we're underprotected. Okay, so we're going to unpack those bags today. But I just want to remind you uh, that I have a really wonderful resource for you free. Um, It's all about debunking stress myths because our beliefs about stress actually impact the effect they have on us. And so at the end of the podcast, I will share with you information on how you can get your hands on this free resource. And it's very practical to really help you start, uh, to, to help you get yourself unstuck. And so this could be one thing that you could do for yourself at the end of this podcast is just download the resource and see what you think, see what might be helpful for you in your daily life, right? We all have unique circumstances, but stress is not unique to any of us. And so there are skills, there are practices that can be very helpful for us, not only in coping effectively with stress, but for shifting our understanding of stress and really debunking some of these myths. And of course, every week with the podcast, my goal is to help you pursue what matters by strengthening your confidence to lead, right? That you have a belief that you can take action and that you can then take action to help yourself. And so um, today, primarily, we're really going to help you uh, lead with clarity by understanding these traps and how they might show up for you. And also, we're going to help you with leading with curiosity because it requires a certain amount of self-awareness and you know not I mean it's not a given that we're self-aware in fact it for for most of us the default is around self-avoidance because self-awareness and self-confrontation can be very painful and so we tend to defend against that we tend to resist that avoid that but when we lead with curiosity it's all about turning toward our experience getting curious about what's happening in our body, getting curious about our thoughts and our feelings. Because when we don't have self-awareness about those things, boy, we can really get tripped up in ways that we don't even recognize. And so curiosity is always a requirement for leading well, because it helps us to get out of our own way. It helps us to make the commitments necessary to self-care and self-leadership. And so today, we'll really be focusing on helping you lead with clarity and with curiosity. So let's jump right in and learn more about the first trap. Okay, so we're talking about traps that keep you stuck in overwhelm and stress. The first trap is you're overcommitted. Now, I'd love to see a raise of hands of how many people are overcommitted. This is a plague of the capable uh, because you get lots of requests. Uh, so, you know, let me just say from the from the get-go that it's wonderful to 
be committed, right? To be committed to other people, to, you know, pursuits, to uh, your work is a lovely thing. But here's the thing. What you commit to makes all the difference. Uh, Not all things, not all activities, not all uses of your time are created equally. And so I want you to be committed, but I want you to be discerning in terms of what you commit to. So some questions, are you committed to some dead end relationships? You know, maybe it's a friendship that that kind of tears you down or you end up feeling worse about yourself. Um, you know, obviously that's not good. Are you committed to learning a new skill for which you have zero aptitude? So what I would say is that's not a good use of your time. The research is really clear that we should spend most of our time strengthening our strengths, getting better at what we already have aptitude towards and not spend much time trying to overcome deficits or, you know, make weaknesses into strengths. And that's because it just is such a heavy use of resources, right? From energy to time to, you know, specific skill building required of you and others who might be helping you. Now, obviously, if there's a deficit that's impeding your progress, right? It's impeding your work. You're slowing down the team. It's really impeding your most important relationships. Obviously, you need to commit to addressing those issues. But generally speaking, we want to focus on strengthening our strength right? So getting even better, standing out even more where it comes to our strengths and not spend too much time on those weaknesses. So, right? Don't spend much time trying to learn a new skill for which you have zero aptitude. Um, another question for you, are you committed committed to riding a sinking ship while treading water, right? This is not a good use of your time. This is not a good use of your energy. And so, like I said, it's really great to be committed, but what you commit to makes all the difference. Not all commitments are created equally. So again, uh, make sure that you're committed to activities and relationships that strengthen you. So think about, make sure you're committed to activities, relationships, and goals that strengthen you and your ability to contribute meaningfully, right? Because when it comes to pursuing what matters, it's never just about us. It's never just about what we want. Um, That would be such a small view of life and, and our part in it. So, um, what you commit to makes all the difference. Uh, so when we think about this trap of being overcommitted, you know, one of the big problems is that we overcommit to others. So we prioritize other people's goals. I can't tell you how many times I've done that until I just got so frustrated and then so bitter and then so resentful um, that I said enough. But what I recognize in looking back is that was my issue. Um, That was my lack of a boundary because I was always saying yes. I was always prioritizing someone else's goal, someone else's agenda, 
And it was hard for me to say no. And so, you know, if you recognize this trap that you tend to overcommit to others, I want you to think about the ways that maybe you prioritize other people's goals, other people's agendas, maybe recognizing the ways that you have a hard time saying no. Uh, you don't want to disappoint others. I think here's another one, and this one is a subtle one, right? And when you recognize you have specific skills, you have a skill set, you're recognized as quite competent, people will seek you out. And it can be, this is where one of your best attributes can be used, can be turned against you if you're not careful, is you feel like, you know what, like I... I have these skills and so I'm under an obligation to say yes. And what I want to say to that is absolutely not. Um, you have got to square that request against your other priorities in life. It's, it would not, you, you, it would not be good for you to say yes if it undermines your well-being. It would not be good for you to say yes if it undermines uh, your own goals. It would not be good to say yes if if you end up chronically uh, frustrated and resentful. And so you've got to do the work in your own head first um, so that you can abandon the guilt and that, you know, that self-sacrificing obligation to others and really have clarity about, you know, about what comes first for you. And this is not to say don't help others and don't contribute to others because that is the last thing that I believe or would want for you. But we we justify things and we rationalize our behavior so that we don't have to pin ourselves down and be responsible for our commitments. And I think this is a way that some of our best attributes um, can be turned against us. And they're not turned against us by others. They're turned against us by our own unwillingness to set a boundary, our own unwillingness to protect our time and our goals. It's a big problem. And I have a lot of passion about it, mostly because, well, a couple of reasons. I see it all the time with folks that I work with. And the second one is this, this is my experience, right? Like I have absolutely walked this path and I can see how you know, my notion that, oh, this is a sacrifice for other people. Ultimately, it didn't help others very much. And it certainly didn't help me to, to actually do what I can only do to, to, to pursue what matters and to contribute at a higher level. Um, for all the time that I overcommitted to others, I was playing a small game in life. And it's because I let myself get caught in these justifications and these rationalizations. And so we want to be smarter than our justifications because they can be pretty tricky. Um, so, right. When it comes to this first trap, we overcommit to others. So I really want you to do a little bit of self-confrontation around that and see where that might be true for you. Get specific who and where and in what circumstances does that show up for you? And then the third point here is we talk about uh, this first trap, right? So the first point is it's great to be committed, but what you commit to makes a difference. Second point is you overcommit to others. And the third point is you under commit to yourself. Okay. So this is a big one and it's what I just alluded to. Uh, perhaps you 
You lack respect for your time. Um, you don't respect your goals. You use busy as a stand-in for worth. And we talked about that not too long ago when we, when uh, I had a podcast about busy as a badge of honor. Um, by being a yes man or a yes woman, you are by default saying no to yourself and your own sense of purpose. And we don't want that to happen to you. And let me just tell you that, um, that keeps you overwhelmed and stressed out. It just absolutely does because you're not serving your higher purpose. You're serving someone else's agenda. So that's the first trap. And now, right, so we're talking about the traps that keep you stuck in overwhelm and stress. So now on to the second trap, which is you're underprotected. So trap one is you're overcommitted. Trap two is you're underprotected. So the first point here is you don't protect your needs, time, goals, and energy. And this is the next step from what I just shared about undercommitment to yourself. So you put yourself at the mercy of others. You believe it's it's the selfless thing to do. And I just got to tell you, it's not. Ultimately, it is not because you end up burned out, fatigued, uh, resentful, and wanting to hide under a rock when someone comes calling. It's not a good thing. It Ultimately, it leads to uh, isolation and it leads to distancing yourself from the demands of others and the demands of life. We don't want that for you. We don't want that for your relationships. So you maybe feel guilty if you prioritize your needs. So that is a great plague among especially many women, but I think for sure it happens for anyone in a hierarchical leadership position. It happens a lot of times in families, right? For parents um, feeling guilty if they prioritize their needs. Uh, Maybe you believe sacrifice is always noble and moral. And I'm just here to say it is not. So I find great great value and great meaning in sacrifice toward a higher purpose. But not all sacrifices um, are noble or moral. In fact, sometimes we can tell ourselves, I'm making a noble sacrifice. But really what's happening is we're not holding ourselves accountable for our time and for our goals and for our own sense of purpose. And that right? Like that really, um, that, that, that makes that sacrifice unworthy. And so we really need to be careful about the stories we tell ourselves. And so let's think about some of the ways, um, that, or some of the things that we sacrifice, right? So we sacrifice needs and we take the stance that others' needs are more important than our own. Uh, Maybe it's easy to say needs, what needs? Like I'm fine, I'm fine. I can't tell you how many times I hear people saying that. Like I'm fine when I ask, how are you doing? How are you coping with this? You've got a lot on your plate. Are you sure that this is the best plan? And their response inevitably is I'm fine. And I would just say that's BS, right? Like that's actually disconnection. Um, And so we need to get curious about um, what's not being said, what's not being looked at. Um, And you still might make the decision 
to commit to someone else's project, but you got to have some curiosity and clarity about what's happening. So, you know, when we think about these needs, we disconnect from our physical, emotional, and cognitive needs because it's just too much to try and be tuned in while serving something that is not a good fit for us. And so what do we do with that distress and that and that stress that actually kicks up. What do we do with that distress? We emotionally numb. So we disconnect from our physical, emotional, and cognitive needs because it's just, it's too much to deal with. And we got to get this project done. Okay, so that's the that's the um, first thing that we sacrifice. We sacrifice our needs. Um, the next thing that we sacrifice is we sacrifice our time. We overschedule. We let others overschedule us. We don't give ourselves enough time between activities. Now, this is a big one. And I would say I'm still working on this one. I have this delusion that like, oh, I can do 20 minutes of stuff in five minutes. And I like, I've started to catch myself on this to be like, no, like, you know, you're going to make yourself late or you're going to, um, you're going to leave someone else waiting, which of course I don't want to be disrespectful, but it's this idea of, you know, I'll be fine. Right. Like I'll be fine. Um, and we, we stress ourselves out, right. Think about, uh, your stress level when you arrive to an important appointment five minutes late, versus arriving to that same appointment five minutes early. I mean, it's a world of difference in your stress level. And so that's a simple way that we we keep ourselves stuck in stress is we don't give ourselves enough time or we don't give ourselves breaks in the workday. I used to do that when I first started out in my career. I, would, I kept myself really... Uh, very tightly scheduled. And that was because I wanted to get home. I wanted to have time with my kiddos, which certainly was a valuable, um, a valuable reason, but I was totally undermining myself. And I was, you know, I, I think that the quality of my work, um, could have been better had I given myself uh, a break to eat lunch or to, you know, I, I would get lunch, but it was always rushed. It was always, you know, running from one thing to another. And so a big way that you could lower stress is just create some time buffers for yourself. So we have the ideas. I've got it. Like I can do this. I can make this happen. Even though like we forget um, the laws of uh, space and time and that becomes a big problem. So I want you, you know, if you, if you're willing to take a look at your calendar for the coming week, right. And what's your reaction? Like, is it, oh, is it dread? Is it stress? Is it overwhelm? Is it frustration or is it apathy? Right. So I know for myself when I, I do my weekly planning on Sundays. And so, you know, I'll pull up my work calendar. And if I'm tightly blocked, boy, it just absolutely is a big stress for me. I'm like, oh no, like when am I going to fit it all in? Or, you know, that's, that's too tight. Right. And at that point, it's really too late to make those adjustments. But when I can pull up my calendar and I have some white space, I have some built in time for specific projects and tasks. 
it, wow, it makes all the difference in terms of how my week proceeds because I start by being grounded and actually feeling excited for, you know, oh, I get to meet with this person uh, because I'm not, I, I haven't overscheduled myself. I haven't crunched time such that I, I'm the one that gets bent, um, which of course is stressful, right? Like when we try to make things work that just won't work, we end up suffering for that. Okay. So the other thing that we often, um, fail to protect and that we sacrifice our, our goals, right? So we prioritize others' goals above our own. We don't block time to work on our goals, right? So we might have goals, but they never are showing up in our calendar, right? Like if someone looked at our calendar, they wouldn't ever know, um, what's important to us or what our goals are. Um, we also don't review our goals regularly, right? So you've done the, you've done the first step of setting goals, but then you never take a look at them. You don't see if you're out of alignment with them and we don't hold ourselves accountable to our goals. And this one I think is a big one. Um, It's actually one of the biggest vulnerability points for most people on their goals. They don't, they don't tap their progress. They don't hold themselves accountable consistently over time to achieving the goals. And this is where we can get into that value conflict between um, supporting others and abandoning ourselves. And most of the time we end up abandoning our own goals. And it is so true that the most disciplined and successful leaders, whether it's entrepreneurs, whether it's corporate or nonprofit, they hold themselves accountable to their goals and they say no more often than they say yes. So the other problem is, you know, when we set goals, but then fail to make progress toward them, it really crushes our soul. And this is where we believe that the lack of progress means we're not competent or capable, which is not true. Um, But what is true is we didn't prioritize our goals. We didn't make time for them. We didn't protect our time. We didn't ask others to keep us honest on our progress. Uh, And the whole, you know, I didn't accomplish this goal because I suck excuse is just too easy, right? It's just too easy to beat up on ourselves and to say, well, it's because I'm not good enough. It's because I'm not smart enough. And that excuse actually gets us off the hook of actually taking responsibility for our actions on a daily basis. And so that might feel like some hard talk, but I'm telling you, this is where people get caught. Um, it feels really rotten to feel incapable, right? So that excuse of like, it, I'm the problem. I'm not smart enough. I'm not competent enough. It, that, that feels miserable, but it feels better than knowing we could have been successful had we just disciplined ourselves a little bit more. If we had just turned off the darn TV, if we would have said no to a request, if we would have tracked daily progress, that is where, right, if we think about the wound of an unaccomplished goal, when we see that we could have been successful had we shifted our small daily practices. That is like pouring salt into that wound. And so most of us don't, right? Like we stay away from that and we stick with those big global assessments of our abilities, which again are totally inaccurate, but it gets us off the hook from actually changing our daily 
behavior, right? And the devil's in the details. Um, change happens in the daily details of our lives. And we, we know that intuitively, but we don't respect that. We do not respect that. Okay. So then what is the last, uh, thing that we, um, that we sacrifice, right? That we underprotect. So we've already talked about underprotecting our needs, our time, our goals. And now the last one we're going to talk about today is we underprotect or sacrifice our energy. So we do not prioritize self-care. We don't get enough sleep. We eat like crap. We don't exercise regularly. We spend time with people who deplete us. We engage in activities that I would say drain our lifeblood. And what I know for me drains my lifeblood is when I get stuck in a scroll hole. Now, it's been really interesting because you know, for many of us, if you get curious about your experience with social media, you'll notice um, for many of us, right? Not everyone that we're not very intentional with our social media use. It is a go-to distress reliever. It's a go-to distractor. So think about, I want you to just pay attention to the times you notice that you are pulled to social media, And how much awareness do you have about that? And I would bet money, and I'd love to hear from folks, that that many times it is something we do to distract, maybe from a situation that's frustrating or a task that we need to do, or when we feel stuck, right? Like, I don't know what to do here. We go to the quick fix of the scroll hole, of going through social media. It grabs our attention. It um, it gives us a break from, you know, what's maybe bothering us or what we need to pay attention to. Um, but, the, but the problem is we use that chronically. So there can be a small case to be made for distraction as an effective coping skill in the very short term. So long term, it's a really bad um, way to cope because it comes with a lot of costs. Um, and so I want you to pay attention to activities that drain your lifeblood that you just know, like this zaps my energy. It doesn't help. I feel worse afterwards. And what I would say for me, it's getting stuck in a scroll hole. Now I definitely use social media, but I try to be really intentional about it and to go with a specific purpose, right? So, you know, there's, there is, um, a couple of people that I follow that they have really great uh, mobility exercises. Uh, so for, you know, if you're working at your desk all day or if you've got hip issues, which I do. And so I will write like I will spend time on social media with a specific purpose in mind. Right. Like, oh, I I need to review some exercises or I wonder if, you know, they have a new video because one of the ladies I follow has um, several videos every week and they're so good, just simple exercises that I can do. And so um, I'm not against social media at all. I'm on it. I'm social. um, But we we really want to um, be intentional about our use. Um, what are other activities that might drain your lifeblood? So I know another one for me is negative news. So I have to be really careful, um, about how much time I spend with the news. So think about that for you. What drains your energy? Uh, some of the other things that we do to underprotect our energy is, you know, we resist doing small things proactively that can save us energy on the back end. So 
So speaking of mobility, right? Sometimes it's not taking the time to roll out after a workout, which sets you up for more pain um, down the road. Um, one of the other things that sometimes we resist doing is planning our week before the week begins. And you know, I've already talked about that a little bit, but I know on those weeks that I don't take the time to do that, the week just feels off kilter because I I don't feel like I am settled with the plan for the week. I feel like I'm always like a step behind. Um, One of the other things that maybe we resist doing proactively um, and, you know, it costs us energy on the back end is we don't consistently go through our email box so that the emails don't build up, right? So I was um, sitting with my guy friend the other day and I happened to see his mailbox icon on his phone and it said 414 emails. And I just said, oh my goodness, like just seeing that totally stresses me out. And he said, well, I don't even use that email box. Like I use a different app for email. So he's not 414 emails behind, but right. Think about your own email box, right? And when you get the notifications um, on your phone or when you open um, your computer, right? Like that can, that can be stressful, that experience alone, but then being flooded with a ton of emails because, you know, you're not, um, you don't have a a plan for consistently pruning your email can be uh, a big contributor to overwhelm and stress. So the other thing we want to pay attention to when it comes to um, energy is you want to understand what's competing for your attention. So if you're like most of us, you have a lot competing for your attention. And so this can be a sign of a full and meaningful life. So I don't want you to get down on yourself. If you have a lot competing for your attention, you've probably worked hard to make that uh, a reality. But of course, do be mindful so that you can increase your commitment to planning ahead, setting boundaries, managing your time and prioritizing self-care. So I want you, you know, here's another um, question for you or an activity that you could do. Um, Take some time and identify what's competing for your attention, right? So I'm just going to list a bunch of things, right, that I think um, can be common for a lot of people. Um, because I think when you can see like, oh my goodness, like I do have a lot competing for my attention. I think first it can bring in some self-compassion, right? Instead of getting down on yourself of like, why can't I manage stress better? Why, why am I always so overwhelmed? You can start with compassion to say, yeah, like I've got a lot on my plate and then you can get focused on looking at, okay, you know, not all of these are probably created equal. How are there ways that I can, um, some shift, make, make a few shifts and make things more sustainable. So here are some, some, um, points for your consideration as you look at what's competing for your attention. So work, that's a big one. Families, our teams, right? People that we work with health, um, marriage, partnership, friendships, running a household, right? Those darn homes require a lot of energy. So think about cooking, cleaning, groceries, meals, taxes, lawn care, right? It all takes plenty of time and energy. Think about your extended family, your parents. Think about your faith or your spirituality, um, commitment to religion. Think about hobbies. So there's a lot competing for our attention. And so we first want to understand that. So we want to get curious. We want to have awareness about that. We want to lead with compassion, right? So instead of getting down on yourself, have some compassion and then let's get practical 
mindful and think about ways that you can better protect not only your energy, your goals, your time, and your needs. Okay. So now we're going to wrap up and I'm going to talk about how you can get unstuck with four skills. Okay. So skill one, get better at saying no. Uh, That's a big one for most of us. So slow yourself down in the moment so you don't give an automatic yes. Uh, This is one of the biggest ways we get stuck and overcommitted um, and stuck in overcommitment and under protection is we just give an automatic yes. So what can you do? Thanks for your request. I will get back to you. I never say yes in the moment. Never, never, never. Um, because first of all, I need, to, I got to respect my desire to please people. And so this is a boundary that I've created for myself so that I have space and time built in to actually consider if I can give a yes. I also, you know, for some decisions want to consult um, with other people because my decision doesn't just impact me. So think about your team, think about your partner, think about your family. So it gives you the space and time to consider the request against your other commitments, goals, and needs. Uh, We want you to also challenge your need to say yes. So some of the fears that crop up when we have a hard time saying no is the fear of they'll stop asking and I'll be irrelevant. They'll be disappointed and I must make others happy. I feel guilty and I can't tolerate the distress. So, right, the first part is what we feel. And then the second part is what's happening under um, under the surface for us, that I feel guilty. But what's also true is I can't tolerate the distress of maybe disappointing someone. And what I would say is, yes, you can. You can learn to tolerate that distress. Okay, the second skill, you need to protect your agenda. So I've got um, three steps here to help you protect your agenda. So step one, pick three goals. Identify your top three goals for a week that move your agenda forward, that move you forward in purpose and in big goal achievement. So think about this professionally. Is there a work project that you need to prioritize? Uh, Personal, think about a health goal that maybe you need to make sure you make room for. Think about um, developmental goals. Uh, For me, right, I'm writing, I'm working on a manuscript right now, and that's a skill development. That's also something that brings me joy. It connects me with creativity. Step two, prioritize your goals. So I want you to think about your top three goals across the week, right? They are your goals. It's your responsibility to protect them from the predations of others' demands because I'm telling you that will happen. So pay attention to your own tendency to push your goals aside, uh, right? Because maybe this is this can often show up in the fact that the goal is challenging and so it's easier to avoid it. It's just stressful, right? Like maybe we don't know the next step. And so instead of really digging in and working on it, we we tap out because of that stress. Um, maybe you feel guilty because, gosh, like I really should be focusing on something else instead of this developmental goal. Um, and then the, the very common belief that others' needs matter more. That 
that's a big one. We get caught in that self-sacrificing value. So I want you to keep your top three goals in front of you as you move through your day. Tell others what your priorities are so you have more support. So think about this professionally. So can a team member wait until Tuesday to discuss a new project um, so that you can complete another task on Monday, right? Like those kinds of conversations can really help. Think about this personally. So maybe your partner can take the lead on a kid's soccer game so you can attend a health appointment um, or you can go to that fun fitness class. Uh, Think about this developmentally. So, you know, we think about skill development hobbies, interests, passions, share your goal and your intention at the beginning of the week and ask for accountability throughout the week. So, you know, an example of this is I will say, I want to write three times this week. Will you check in with me? And, you know, my guy friend is really good about doing that. And, you know, even better is yes, let's actually block it in the calendar now. Let's, let's make a flexible plan for this. Okay. And then step three in helping you to protect your agenda or your goals, right? The third step is plan your week. So schedule time to work on your goals during the week. So two two parts to this step. First is front load goal work at the beginning of your week, if possible. This builds momentum, motivation, and engenders confidence that you are keeping your commitment to yourself. If you, if you wait and shelve your goals until the end of the week, chances are you won't ever get to them, okay? And then the second part of planning your week is block your calendar if you can. Now, I recognize not everyone is in charge of um, their calendar, but if you can, block it. Um, So identify and challenge existing calendar stops, right? So existing calendar appointments. Is every item in your calendar necessary? Is every item in your calendar valuable? Um, if you answer yes to all of those, then either you're very uh, you're very tightly aligned, or you're lying to yourself. So if you answered no or maybe to some items, which is common for most of us, then I want you to begin considering how you can make changes to these calendar stops, to these um, appointments. So maybe you negotiate with a team member. We've already talked about that. Maybe you shorten time frame of meetings if you have some influence on that. Um, Tighten agendas and stick to it. That's a big one. We get lost in meetings. Um, Encourage focused attention by all and change the frequency of calendar stops. So think about this in terms of meetings and appointments. And then the last thing is to organize your calendar cadence for more predictability, right? So I know I have this on the first and third Tuesday of every month, right? That helps you to organize yourself. That also helps you to have more predictability. It helps you to manage overwhelm and stress. So that's a really big one. So the three steps that are part of skill two, right? So skill two is protect your agenda. So we're going to pick three goals. We're going to prioritize your goals, and then we're going to plan your week. Okay. And now we're on to skill three, which is to embrace constraints. So this skill is a simple acknowledgement that you can't do everything you want to do or even need to do at the same time, right? Embracing constraints invites you to embrace reality. That's actually what we're talking about. Because when you wrongly assume that you can be overcommitted and underprotected, you set yourself up for stress overwhelm. You set yourself up for feeling like a failure and burning yourself out. And we don't want that happening for you. Uh, So when we get overwhelmed with stress, it's often because we try to do too much without 
the counterbalance of stress coping skills on board, okay? So I just want to mention again, I have a really good stress uh, coping resource for you. So it's debunking stress myths. And so if you um, will head to the show notes, which I'll share in just a minute, then you can get that free resource there. And it's practical, right? So we want you to do big things in your life, but you've got to counterbalance that with effective coping skills. And so, you know, when we have an imbalance in that, we end up overwhelmed by stress. Okay. So when we think about embracing those constraints, we also end up feeling like a failure because we we couldn't do it all right and we had set this assumption that we could and obviously this doesn't mean you're a failure it means you can't do it all which is just a statement of fact for all of us right it means you're human and welcome right we're happy to see you we're happy to have you with us it also can lead to burnout because you are chronically overcommitted and underprotected no one is meant to do it all you can't keep running indefinitely you're going to hit a wall and there will be consequences, right? And often that is to your own health and well-being. Um, And here's the ironic thing. When you constrain yourself, you'll actually make more progress and be more effective than if you would not have constrained yourself. So that is an irony that I think can be helpful. So what do we want to constrain? We want to constrain time first. So this is the block of time. I have to complete this, so I better do it. It helps you to pace yourself. Um, It helps you to, you know, really be realistic about how long things take. So track how long it takes to do something that you do, you know, regularly, and then reduce your goal by 15 to 20%. So if something typically takes 60 minutes to complete, challenge yourself to reduce the time allotted for the next time you do it by just nine to 12 minutes. That isn't much time. But if you can do this, even on one task you typically do, you will save so much time across a day, a week, a month, and a year. And here's the other thing, right? You won't always hit the new mark, but you will get in the habit of taking more active responsibility for your time management. And that is a real win. Okay. So the first thing we want to constrain is time. The second thing we want to constrain are resources. So think about information, funds, people involved. More is not always better. And in fact, is sometimes much worse. So attune to resources and use a Goldilocks approach, right? Like what is too little? What is too much? What is just right? And as you orient yourself toward resource constraint, you will develop a very good feel for what is just right, Um, especially as you do things um, more than once. And then the third thing that we want to constrain are our options. Too many options is worse than than too few options because it stalls decision-making, it feeds overwhelm, and it increases procrastination because it feeds us right into that overwhelm and we just can't take action. So we really want to avoid that. So that is the third skill to embrace constraints. And then the fourth skill is to prioritize self-care. So I want you to schedule it in your calendar, make it as important as your commitment to others is. And then I want you to join me next week for a holiday edition where I will share specific ways you can prioritize self-care. So we want to get really practical about that. And so hopefully, you know, the 
holiday, the holidays can be a good time for you to realign yourself as you reflect on the year that is just ending and as you prepare for the year ahead. So I really hope you will join me next week as I talk about ways you can realign your commitment to self-care and thriving. It's going to be practical and it's going to be focused and I'm not going to take too much of your time. So I hope you will join me there. So as a review, we talked about four skills to help you get unstuck from stress and overwhelm. Skill one, get better at saying no. Skill two, protect your agenda. Skill three, embrace constraints. And skill four, prioritize self-care. And then join me next week where we're going to do a deep dive into prioritizing self-care. So head on over to my website to check out the show notes with all the great resources for this episode. You can also get your hands on the debunking stress resource. That's also really practical. I hope it's very helpful for you. I created it to be helpful. You can find all those resources, including the great debunking stress resource by heading over to my website at www.drmelissasmith.com forward slash 137 stress traps. One more time, that's www.drmelissasmith.com forward slash 137-stress traps. So I'm social. I would love to connect with you on Instagram at Dr. Melissa Smith. In the meantime, I'm Dr. Melissa Smith. Remember, love and work, work and love. That's all there is. Until next time, take good care. Good care.